Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with filmmaker and artist Bryony Dunn. She's the director of Surrender Your Horns ahead of its screening at Mermaid Arts Centre Bray. Thank you so much for chatting with us. This is uh, very exciting to see your really uh, interesting, imaginative, out there take on, on something that's really reflective of the time that we're in now with um, regards to, to climate issues, responsibility. And then there's such a wonderful like sideways view of, of looking at, at, at a at a topic like this. And there's so much creativity and humor in it. I was just wondering if you could talk to me a little bit about where the idea came from or I, I know I read in your notes that you said that you um you had read about Sudan who features in the documentary but just tell me a little bit about how uh, the idea formulated and um how you came to put the pitch together for this yeah um yeah thank you first Gemma for having me it's really a nice opportunity to to be able to share my work with your viewers and um yeah, so the 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 idea came about when I um, back at it was back in two thousand and fifteen, either fifteen or sixteen, when I came across a, an article in the Guardian about the last northern white male rhinoceros named Sudan, as you mentioned, and the way that this article was written. Um, the, first of all, the headline above the the photo was a picture of loneliness. And Sudan doesn't know how precious he is. And it kind of, it struck me, not only this kind of like anthropocentric, human-centered viewpoint, but I wanted to know more the the, the background into um, what brought this rhinoceros or this species to extinction beyond the the somewhat the the mainstream um narratives which is like the end users in Vietnam or the poachers and I wondered whether he was lonely long before he ever stood on the brink of extinction um as he was captured from the wild from Sudan at the age of three and then he ended up spending most of his life in captivity in a zoo and you know whether that kind of loneliness dates back to then or whether it was just like this this rhinoceros you know in this kind uh, in this um captive and enclosed within this enclosure within a wider enclosure um so i started to yeah i mean that that struck me um the way that the article was written, and I, I wanted to look more into the the mythology around the the animal and how there's been these accounts of how the unicorn is related to, um, the rhino rhinoceros and um the reinterpretation and misrepresentation of stories and how that kind of fuels and feeds into uh, the current um circumstances of this uh species. So it was very much it it began very much into intuitively and independently. When I read this article, I um, wrote to this Northern White Rhino Committee and they gave me then permission for a small research trip where I took my camera to, to, to film him and the people that took care of him for 10 days. Um, and then one, one story evolved into another. Um, I filmed... A, 
as I as I was working on a lot of other different projects, parts of the story. Um, and it was only at a later stage, fiction, the elements of fiction and reenactment and script became part of the film. But it very much was rooted within the documentary form. And you... Um, had a screening just there in the IFI and you'll have a screening um, coming up in uh, the Mermaid Arts Centre as well. So describe what it's like, say, having an idea like that and then kind of getting to that, jumping to that end stage where you get to kind of watch it in an, in an audience and that in that feeling with it. Does it change shape in your mind at all? It do. I mean, it very much changes shape, I think, when you begin to receive feedback from the audience and um, they're taking it. And I mean, you have this idea of what you want to create when you're in the editing process and what you want it to be like, but then, um, and you try and have this, um, you have this, you try and have this other viewpoint with working with others and try and get all this advice um, in that like post-production um, process. But then, yeah, when it's, when it's kind of really, when it goes, to a more public audience it's like it's such a different experience of like how people relate to the work and what like for instance in parts of this like there's elements of the documentary part that people that audience think that it's like fictionalized and then there's the documentary parts that um yeah vice versa so it's, it's quite interesting to um to to get that feedback and um I mean, I think it's also with audiences, it's it, audiences that they differ as well. I mean, like depending on whether the audience is kind of um, uh, presented more to kind of like an art museum uh, gallery context to maybe like a viewing where it's um, more related to like um, nature and conservation. And then it can also change again, depending on what, from country to country. Um, uh, yeah, so yes, because it's a it, there's elements of film, elements documentary, elements of um art. There's that that kind of like abstract, beautiful images mixed in with um a very theatrical performance, and then kind of like bookended in this in this very surreal like narrative structure. So it's it's a it's a, like I love how it molds from one thing to another you're not you're not even kind of sure it brings you on this kind of like wild journey and it kind of feels like the way your mind ping pongs through ideas and then you know we're going with a speaker and then we're going back to another speaker like it's it like that it, it feels um a very kind of creative piece that deals with narrative in such an interesting way tell me about that narrative process so it was an idea and then you were kind of filming bits and bobs there. When did the Arts Council come on board? What scheme did you put in for funding for? So, um, yeah, the, the idea of a script and f developing a script, um, it happened at more of a later stage. And that's when I began to look for Arts Council funding to help me together and make sense of all this documentary footage that was probably like I think it was like just before COVID I think it was a 2020 a film project Arts Council Award and so I applied with uh, the scripted version but with the documentary elements 
that were already filmed inside the the script. So the script, yeah, it allowed me to um, make sense of all this documentary footage. And um, there was aspects that I wanted to include in the film, but I wasn't able to do it within the documentary form. For instance, um, there's one scene of a poacher and that's based off an interview that I had with a poacher in Kenya. So that is reenactment, reenacted on stage with an actor. Um, with the with the kind of a scripted version of that original uh, interview, and then it also allowed um, I feel the kind of voices that are often misrepresented or often unheard in kind of stories that surround this uh, this 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 story of the rhino horn trade to be included. As an example, the story of the Irish travelers and how they became part of the, the 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 story it was very much a kind of a complicated and challenging uh confrontation that i was faced with in in the film as in how and if i should um bring their story into it it's a story that kind of brought me back to ireland whereas i didn't realize it would take me back to to ireland a film that i started in in uh in Kenya so um I reached out for, to an actor John Connors and we began a conversation on this this element of the story so that part of the script was uh developed with him um he wrote part of it um and it's a very small scene but like the script allowed me to open up um the story and the narrative to to others um um other voices that commentary as well that of that back and forth doc, that back and forth conversation um in the in the reenactment is very um very beautifully written um and the the use of language is 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 great that those kind of mm. um traditional like that traveler language almost like how it how it's kind of brought in and then translated for the audience and and, and and the meaning is through it, but also their commentary, their observation on it. And I think that's something that's interesting the whole way through is um, it's there's a meta nature to all the elements where there's what we're watching and then there's like a commentary on what we're watching in what we're watching. Yeah, yeah. And I think the kind of the end scene that, uh, that I, the intention is to bring all those perspectives and kind of representation of the story to bring them all back together in the final scene um and but evidently comment on that this is a script and the idea of the kind of the end how we kind of move out of the 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 scene is to kind of recenter the viewer and kind of question whether and how are we the audience part of this story and and also the story is still continuing um and then also to 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 show how we relate and perceive the world and the stories that unfold within it is very much relative to our position within it and the the film is all these different varying perspectives on the story and how they kind of change across time and space and like you know making reference to the medieval hunt of the unicorn and um then it goes into like the contemporary references of hunting and but then there's like 19th century references of big game hunting and I very much didn't want to so to uh claim this position of this is what the story is this is this is whose fault it is or where 
the story is going. It's kind of, it's still, it's very much open-ended, but it's all these different aspects and elements that make up where we are now. And yeah, I mean, it was like, for instance, this is another um, example of how the um, the script helped to to also to to acknowledge my position also within the story is like I wanted to pose certain questions that I had to the 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 reproduction um, stage that uh, these rhinoceroses are, are are going through with the species where you have. Um, conservationists divided, um, whereas one group of conservationists want this this northern white species brought back to life through in vitro fertilization. But then on the other hand, you have these conservationists that want to just put the the, the resources and funding into the ones and the other species that do exist, because it's, I mean, it's a serious amount of money. And and in all this like discourse that was circulate, circulating around these opposed and positions is, I did want to ask the question is like, if the rhinos could talk to us or if we could talk communicate with them I just wonder what they would be saying um and through many emails I wasn't kind of given uh, a response to that when I was communicating but uh, I was able to do it in the film and I was able to do it in the script so that's another example of how the script allowed me to um to pose these questions and I mean another another example is that uh, of this the idea of staging and reenactment and script it was like pre the, the the this developing the script is like the the research took me to so many different natural history museums and where all these thefts were 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 occurring and for me these spaces became these problematic and difficult monuments um that showed us this relationship that we have to ourselves and to animals and um, and the idea of kind of like staging and representing this nature and how humans stage that and kind of like the, the idea of them working with the script and the stage it was like that that evolved from these um, these spaces and it's one wonderful as well how you um, how you bring that in because there's one bit actually when they're at that meal. And someone's about to take a bite. And I think it's probably to do with the fact that in a piece like this, the viewer automatically brings their own meaning to so many elements of it because there's there's so much strange and wonderful things happening in it. But they're eating and someone just pauses and looks at their fork and you're like, but it is about consuming and consumption. And it is about like even that kind of very masculine <laughs> obsession with virility. And there was like a conversation about how um, like, you know, the, in one of the stories that you told about how, you know, the creature was stopped dead in their tracks um, by a virgin that they saw, like, and it's, you know, like, I mean, that that level of consumption is is evident throughout all of this, even in that, you know, the, our rich character that we're taken in through the, the eyes of and who brings us into the narrative is, you know, like living in this kind of lap of luxury in a sense. Um, so there's there's a lot of commentary there that does link back to environmental issues about political issues and it's it's an interesting take and um, I'm just wondering is this something you do you have your meaning in your head as as you're going along that you're like this I want to elicit this specific thing or is it 
a process for you as an artist to explore? Like, how much do you know and how much are you keeping from us? <laughs> I <laughs> mean, hiding. yeah, it's kind of like, uh, I think for, for me, film is uh, a medium that allows me to, uh, as a point of inquiry, um, to, to confront questions and challenges that I find difficult to understand but but want to understand better um and I think this film um because I also work with um sculpture I work with photography I um also publication um but yeah I think this film is definitely um an example of this um this kind of curiosity that I have um with this relationship uh, with with humans and animals and um but it's it's more so kind of i feel that uh, the film is more actually about the human condition and humans and how uh the the, the plight of the rhinos and this rhino horn trade is that almost this kind of like prism as a way to kind of reflect back on us and in in other works i've i've that has also occurred, but um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your questions, but <laughs> yeah. And it's like, um, it's a, like, it's a continuation. Like what I'm working on now is a continuation of this this feature film. Um, and it it sometimes happens where I make a film, but then I kind of, I, I edit it, but then I take it apart and it becomes a video installation or then it becomes a publication. Um, but it, yeah, it's very much this kind of uh, investigation, I suppose, and, and it like it begins from yeah, a very much uh, uh, it's rooted within this kind of research um, of this exploratory kind of uh, research of of mine, and yeah, I mean, it was filmed over like I had been working on it for eight years, but alongside other. Um, other projects where it's like you know the scene in 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 Paris where these um the museum of hunting and nature uh I had wanted to go to this museum and film something it felt film something else in that museum but also I took the opportunity um to film uh to film inside this museum because I knew had um these rhino horn this rhino horn was stolen from it so it was kind of it's all this work along with other works are all kind of like interconnected um uh, but yeah, what what you said about the the final scene, yeah, it's that idea of kind of. I was actually really inspired by Dylan uh, Denise Villeneuve's uh, uh, film called Last Floor, um, and there's no talking in it. This idea of kind of gluttony and opulence and gorging and consumption and and it's yeah, it's kind of like it's over the top. It's very theatrical and kind of like. Um, you know these all these like strange animal come animals comes in on kind of trays and you have like you know heads of an elephant and kind of hedgehogs and it's kind of like all this close up of and the sound is incredible of all this kind of like slurping and um slithering around and uh so yeah i was inspired by that and um and uh, yeah as you said there's kind of like this this um the idea of kind of the consuming but then it's the idea of kind of consuming this rhino horn and to try and um extract this power of this animal into the human and that's where the idea of the the metamorphosis kind of comes in and becoming part part the kind of 
attaining that char characteristics of that animal and wanting to take its power by embodying it and consuming it. And um, yeah, that's how the kind of the beginning of the film on kind of snorting this rhino horn powder, but then at the very end seeing it, we arrive at the same the same location, but you have all these different uh, cast uh, members that are there. Um, and there's something very satisfying about watching them all interact. <laughs> it's just really enjoyable <laughs> when you're getting these like kind of like well realized characters and, and you know, they're sitting down at the table kind of like thinking about what their their role was. But it's it's fun. Like it's actually really mm. fun. Um, then tell me about writing the screenplay with um, Elle. Did you guys... Mm. Um, was this to submit for the Arts Council funding? Was this something that you'd been doing sort of the whole time as you were going through? Or was this just for the theatrical pieces or the, how does that work, the collaboration? Because you have a few great um, collaborations on this piece as well. Yeah, I I, I do. I'm very lucky with uh, the people that I collaborated with and, um um, yeah, I mean, it was also my first time working with script and it was the first time working with a cast um, uh, in this capacity, I mean, at least. And also working for the first time with a, like a larger crew of like cinematographers and lighting technicians and all that. And um, uh, yeah, and also <laughs> realizing the cost of fiction as well. <laughs> um, uh, when you're expensive. kind of working documentary it's it's something very very different and when you're shooting yourself to when you uh you begin to work with uh, with, with fiction it becomes yeah very very costly very quickly um and I suppose in, to some degree there's like there's a lot of risks I took because I I simply didn't know I simply was a little bit naive on uh, and unaware of like um what to the extent of what was involved and um it was i felt it was at times it felt like a fluke on how we managed to do certain things within such a, a limited budget and within such a limited time i mean that final scene that is there i mean many people have told me that it would take at least three days we did it all in one day and i'm like and half an hour before we were begin to shoot we only had one camera and then eleanor the uh, bowman who was the cinematographer she she um one of her friends very quickly came up andrew o'reilly and then he came in as the second dop so he had a camera on like on the other side so we managed to get these two perspectives but like you know it was all um yeah, and even the night before, I was cutting back parts of the script to make it a little bit shorter because we were we could only shoot within that uh, within that day. Because um, there's production design period period pieces. There's um, kind of a lot of fantasy stuff. It's a very rich lighting tapestry. Like there's yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to it. I was like, wow, that's <laughs> a lot. I know. <laughs> But the I mean, that was making, also this kind like... of. <laughs> I did the model making. <laughs> That's why, like, the sculpture parts of the film <laughs> coming in. It's a good thing um... you're so multifaceted because otherwise, <laughs> saved a few bob. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's kind of with the arts council. I mean, it's it's such a. Um... 
it's such a great opportunity to be able to work on something. It's such a privilege to be able to have an organization that um, takes that risk with the filmmaker and artist to allow them to produce something like this. Because, you know, the... Um, the, the treatment and the proposal that we sent in, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, I hadn't filmed any of this fiction. I hadn't done any of the staging parts, any of the parts in the theater. None of that was, it was kind of like showing some of the elements of the, the documentary, but showing kind of like references of what I would, I'm thinking, what I would like to do. Some, um, you know, uh, filmmakers that uh, like this amazing Argentinian filmmaker Lola Ariz, who who made this film Theater of War, and she used all this kind of um, documentary, uh, like projected on the backdrop of a of a of a theater, and had these kind of reenactments um, based on the Falklands War, and um, you know, so it's all these just like references that were put in, and. Um, yeah, but not me not being able to kind of like show that. I mean, like I the, my films before were all very much kind of documentary, even though there was like a lot of quite experimental, challenging parts of like former works where I'd filmed with like eagles and eagles perspective again, kind of challenging all this these different perspectives. But uh, yeah, it's um, I feel very lucky that they took that risk, and I'm uh, yeah very privileged that I was allowed to like I was I was given that, this opportunity to to make such a a work like that but but also I mean um it's been it's been interesting to try and um to try and uh, yeah the, the the distribution process of this film whereas like I was a little bit reluctant to call it uh, uh, an artist experimental uh film for fear of um, maybe eliminating some audiences. So I did want to play and experiment with the style of fiction. And for me, for the first time, um, have this opportunity to, to, to try. But at the same time, I wanted to make a work that was also still very accessible. Um, and I hope I achieved that. <laughs> It, there's definitely like a coherent thread through it. it. There's the visuals are very strong. Like it's it's very much so a, a, a kind of cinematic experience in that it's so layered and textured. Like like the sound design as well. Like a, like mm. that when they were eating is deeply unpleasant. But like <laughs> that's the commentary, you know. Like that's the that's the purpose of it. But like it's visceral. Like you're you're kind of you yeah. were revulsed in the moment and you're you're brought along and this kind of visual interesting ride and 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 you know and and you do tackle that um the, the subject matter from all these different angles and how it's you know even examined in modern culture and you know that kind of like that kind of like hyper like kind of fun element of it where you know like where you have your your dancing sequence and 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 you know like that's very much so how it's interpreted now and and I think that's like it's a very interesting thing to watch as a viewer um, and I'm, I'm just I'm just curious to you know how even the editing process came like when you had it scripted was it in that order or did yourself and George work through it and, and rejig it? Or mm -hmm. was it something that changed the more that you worked on it over the time? Yeah, it's interesting that the the, the process that we went in uh, to the to editing, I mean, it was 
we we went in beginning to develop what was already laid out in the script um but then completely open to the possibility that it may be all taken apart and um and then in the end it was very very close to what was actually laid out in the script i mean there was questions whether we would bring the the dinner scene all throughout the film um because it's, it's a seven minute scene at the very end that i mean i don't find it long but like to have a seven minute in in, in, in what scene is um no, but it sort of it sort of feels episodic, though. It feels yeah. like these are these little micro chapters that we're we're going yeah, through, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. evolution of the mm -hmm. idea, rather than mm -hmm. like something that's sort of intertwined. And you know, you maybe ping pong back to one or two yeah. in that element, but that's sort of that's sort of more what it felt like as a viewer. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's really nice that you said that because yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's just these all these small little perspectives, which you know. For me, it's like if I find it a film interesting and the topics and the subjects that is is there, it's like I always end up doing my own research. I want to dig deeper. I want to find out more about the filmmaker. I want to find out more about um, you know the the stories and the research in it. So I just kind of like hope this is somewhat a film where it will inspire people to to look more and do their own research and. Um, uh, yeah, just these points of kind of to in intrigue our kind of imagination and what's there. And but it's it's very um, it's very interesting. And I think one of the things that really kind of brings it home again is the sound design and the music. Um, so that was Alyssa Moxley. Alyssa Moxley, yeah, she's a um, she's an Irish American sound artist that I've worked with uh, from on most of my and a lot of my films. Um, I met her in Athens and we collaborated there for some time. Um, and yeah, so she was kind of working remotely. I'd done the post-production in Athens. So it's a real international flavor, but it gave such a kind of energy and vibrancy to the to the narrative as um, well. It really kind of worked with it. So you're you're kind of in the process now where you're watching it being screened was there anything maybe a response that maybe surprised you or you know with something that's so kind of open to different interpretations and so from different perspectives is there anything like feedback that you've gotten that maybe you weren't expecting or how it was perceived in a certain um, way I think um I've got a lot of very very nice positive feedback uh so far in it I mean like the the I mean, I showed it first time in the IFI, and um, I mean, I knew it would it would come up. Is that the question around the Irish travellers and their uh, role in it? And people wanted to know much more. People wanted to know, um, you know, the, uh, um, to what level did I kind of go down that this that route? And it's, um, you know. Um, what I kind of made, uh, talked about is that kind of this is just like, you know, I, I really didn't want to make it such a, a large part of this film. It was like one aspect, but there's all these interconnected, entangled kind of stories that are that are there and the kind of the Irish element of it, it of it and this supposedly Irish traveler connection is just one part. And I didn't want it to make it 
make it out to be that kind of like sensational element of the story which i think i i haven't but um you know i think a lot of people were maybe like it's such a it's, it's such a kind of like a strange turn of events of like you know beginning a film that ended up the kind of the story took me back to ireland because of these this um irish traveler connection but I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to make kind of like blow it up and make that such a hyped up part of the film. Um, because I think it possibly, yeah, it could have been. See, it piques the interest. It is, I think everyone wants to watch the heist film of that. Yeah, yeah. I would totally watch that. I would be like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It's, uh, it's, it's in, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> look, it's kind of like uh, the, and I went down to Rapkeel many times, um, and just for just from myself to kind of get in a better idea of where supposedly this kind of group was coming from, and um, and in the end, I I didn't put any footage in there. It was just, um, and I met many different kinds of um, uh, investigators that were part of this story, um, and just. You know, in the end, I also didn't put that in, and it felt more comfortable just working with um, with an actor that you know identified as a traveler himself, and kind of then um, uh, the two actors that are in the film they're also travelers, so it felt that was much more of a kind of um, a sensitive and um, acknowledging way to kind of bring their 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 part of the story into it, um, but. Yeah, definitely with the audience, they were like, oh, we want to know more about the, this part of the, the Rapki Rovers and that story of the Irish and the Ireland. You've traveled the world in this film and you have, you know, kind of boiled the ocean when it came down to um, the different perspectives of, of the topic. Is there anything if you had like unlimited resources to do the drama elements or to travel? Is there anything else that you would have liked to delve into or included or kind of gone into more detail had the scope been there? Um, you know, I also made this film during uh, part of it during the COVID, during the lockdowns and um, which held me back in some ways on being able to visit certain locations that I had wanted to go and visit. Like for instance, I did want to go to Vietnam, but in the end I I commissioned a, a videographer um, to carry out an interview that uh, I wanted to do and also just to film some parts of the city. But it ended up being actually, I think, nicer this way to have a local person being able to kind of film um their own city and parts that they wanted to show um and yeah this kind of collaboration that again existed um i think in in so many parts of the film and then um yeah and then it's like i did want to go back maybe to 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 kenya and film more there but then to get kind of just uh, quite uh, shots of landscapes and animals and kind of all that. But then in the end, I um I worked, I asked different scientists and conservationists, the organizations that I was in touch with, whether they would allow me access to their own archive. Um, so what you see is this kind of like surveillance, um, this tinted kind of green images that are in the film. That's a lot of that is footage that was, that came from these archives and I thought it actually it added this other layer and uh this other 
showing the kind of the 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 the, the perspectives, these different perspectives that's in the film. Whereas like there's one scene where it's kind of like a group of vultures watch this rhinoceros and um the baby rhinoceros and for me this kind of footage was like this almost this kind of allegory or an omen of like um possible possibly like near death of like the vultures watching for uh, this death but then like what you hear in the sound is like the the two conservationists that are sitting in a jeep uh, filming and photographing this this scene and it's just like endless shutter the camera uh, shutting um I mean like hundreds and hundreds of times and it was very interesting to kind of for me to see the way that they looked and talked about this scene and have that included in the film um so that's that's all there and then there's like for instance there's a scene in in Vietnam where um uh, the the organization um uh had given me this um yeah access to the archive but and I had found one uh, uh, a marathon where it was like run for rhinos where they were uh, trying to raise uh, funds for for um uh, their organization and and then there's this like rhino that is dressed up and you know so then there that features in the film but again it's kind of like so nice to have this footage included not just my own footage but like how other people make and use this kind of educational footage for um bring it into the film um that again is all the perspectives the perspectives of like the the old texts the the people on the ground the conservationists the scientists like it is that it incorporates that kind of like that kind of 360 mm. view that you're you're you have in the film so tell me about our upcoming screenings the next irish screening will be in bray at the mermaid theater and that uh screening is to celebrate the 21 years anniversary of the the space uh, and that will be Thursday the 21st in the evening and uh, there's a few more Irish screenings but I'm waiting on confirmation of the date so um, maybe I want to share just yet and then I have a, a number of screenings um, outside of the country so um, I've recently made an Instagram account <laughs> I was a bit late in the day, but uh, it's there. We'll make sure that's linked in our description as well. And thank you so much for chatting with us. You're so good. <laughs> it's so nice to chat to you too, Gemma. Um, really, it was.